2: This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody.
1: My dog has the zoomies, so he's tearing around my house, ruining things as we're beginning this
2: podcast. What are the zoomies? Uh, that, that's when a
1: dog basically gets hyper and and has energy to spend and can't do anything but race around the house as quickly as he possibly can, jumping on furniture, tearing around, turning corners at 100 miles an hour, and just being a general asshole. <laughs> and and so that's that's what the dog is doing in the background right now as we begin this podcast. Uh, we might as well begin there. So uh, thank you, Jumpin' Charlie, for um, giving me an opening here. Thank you, podcast family, as always, for joining us. Uh, We're going to hear later from Chris Cody in Frankfurt, Germany, unless he has fallen into a vat of beer and and won't be joining us. But we hope to have him because, uh, you know, this is where I pretend that the Greg Cody show sent him to Germany. Uh, on its dime when everybody realizes that the Levitard show did, but that's
2: okay. If you had to die inside of a food product, like like in a vat of food products, would it be a vat of beer and brats? Would that be the way you'd want to go? Oh, boy, that's a good question.
1: Um, I'm a schnitzel man yeah. more than a brats man. Uh, in fact, for my Sunday meal uh, that we had, because this is coming out Monday, uh, we made a beautiful uh, schnitzel dinner uh, in, in honor of Christopher being in Germany. How about
2: that? Very good. Would would you um uh would you be the guy over in Germany first have you ever been? No, I Germany? have not. No. Okay. Would you be the guy going there um and and asking and making jokes asking if people what people think of Old Heidelberg down in, in South Florida? <laughs> Is that your favorite <laughs> German restaurant? What do you think of old Heidelberg?
1: <laughs> I have been to Old Heidelberg many times. Um I actually knew a guy once named Paul Heidelberg and and, and that was a joke running <laughs> among us at the time
2: i was telling um, juju that th- th- there's somewhere needs to be made the terrible joke about the dolphins turning germany to finland Ooh, you know what i i am not
1: a above or beneath uh <laughs> that kind of a play on words i may uh be ready to
2: use that in your column greg
1: that's right i may uh discreetly steal that and give no credit to anyone because it will be so awful um before <laughs> we get to l- listen Not only do we have Chris Cody from Germany, but we have a guy on you've never heard of named Mike Flint, and here's why you should love him. This guy is a 59-year-old college football linebacker, 59, or at least he was when he played college football, and it's a fascinating story that's so interesting that it's being made into a movie. Uh, The movie uh, premieres this week, this coming week at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. The movie is called The Senior and this dude went back to college after like 35 37 years to rejoin the old college football team that expelled him for fighting before his senior year and he spent decades uh feeling guilty about that and finally doing something about it so i can't wait to talk to mike Flint. seriously this this should be pretty interesting but before we get started and invite mike into the into the show here um I have to give a me a couple. We had on um, Joe Johnson of Beetle Brunch last week, and I totally, my wife was listening to the podcast, and her reaction to a certain thing was, are you an idiot, she says to me. Okay, it, because I totally messed up when I had seen Paul McCartney in concert, and whether I had seen Ringo Starr. I oh, had completely... No. I had completely forgotten that we saw Paul McCartney at the Hard Rock Live just a med- less well under a year ago, right? And that we had seen Ringo and the All Star Band, and I acted like we hadn't. And so I blame this on old age. Okay, I I, I can't do anything else but blame it on old age.
2: Or as Erlene would say, you just being an idiot. But you know, I mean,
1: well, you know, but but old age. Her is, words, uh, not mine. Yeah, there are various. Um, Unexpected ways that you realize you're old, and you're not there yet, Yeti. But I am, and here's an example. It dawned on me the other day that I was born less than 100 years after the end of the Civil War. Yeah, and for some reason that just struck me. You know, it just because I think of the Civil War as something from hundreds of, and I know it's like 1860s, but I think of it as so long ago. And it was like ninety years later yeah. that I was born, so that that was a mind blower to me to actually think in those terms. Yeah, but.
2: There, there, there was someone who did the the stat that Joe Biden was born closer to Lincoln's presidency than he was his own, and <laughs> uh, and and it's it's close, but it's true. And like like that's really not to get too serious on on a standard fun show, but like when people think of days of slavery as ancient history, it's really not. It's it's no. a couple of lifetimes. Yeah. And exactly. That's, it. that's how yes. close we are to that garbage. You know,
1: I know it, it's, it's insane to think of it like that. Um, before we invite Mike Flint in, let's talk about that, that new old Beatles song now and then yes. that just came out. Cause we talked about, talked about it at, at some length with Joe Johnson last week and we've both heard it by now. Um, give me your impressions first, cause th- you're the musician and, uh, and I, uh, trust whatever you say more than what I say about this.
2: All right. So I'm glad Andrew and I, Andrew Streeter and I discussed this on, on, uh, uh, we brought back. Yes, maybe no for this purpose. Wow. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've had an episode since December of last year. Um, so I'm glad we did that because it allowed me to get a lot of my thoughts out and really form how I think. And I've had now I've had 24 hours because I waited until yesterday afternoon until I got home to listen to it. I wanted it on my, on, on good speakers. Um, and I've listened to it over and over in, in several different ways. Love it. I love it. Is it my favorite Beatles song ever? No, of course not. But it was a splendid experience. And if I were to sum it up in one sentence, I'm just really glad we have it. Now, I'll expound, but one sentence summary, I'm really, really glad we have this.
1: Yeah. Let me give you a few of my thoughts and then and then we'll expound on yours. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I read some snarky headline to the effect, the new Beatles song is pretty good. But that's not good enough. That was the, the tenor of the headline.
2: Uh, write something better, buddy. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're holding the Beatles to such a high standard, and maybe we should. But in this case, I love that it was melancholy in, in tone and in feel. I, I feel like it should have been. We were hearing a dead man's voice, uh, in effect. Uh, we were hearing um, a wistfulness about you know Halcyon days and love lost or what have you. And, and I thought it was appropriate. I, I loved when the chorus kicked in. And the other voices joined. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, you know, Lennon had a couple of different, uh, tones to his voice. I love his, his higher register that the voice was sung in. Uh, that just really appealed to me and it realized how much I've missed that voice. And, you know, my one negative is that, you know, obviously the, the, the track was artificially assembled rather than organically from directly from the studio. But having said that, I'm like you. I'm I'm glad we have it. I think it's a valuable um, piece of the
2: ongoing legend of the Beatles. Right. Well, he, here's here's what they did though, Greg. It, I, I wouldn't even call it ar- artificially assembled. Um, I listened to the the demo that John recorded, like the actual tape demo, before they got their hands on all of this. Um, and I mean, it's like where machines came in really was just be able, being able to separate his voice from the piano. So that they could actually clean it up and mix it. And so like, I mean, they didn't artificially create his voice, which I would hate. I would hate if like they did one of these tracks where you've got Frank Sinatra singing, uh, you know, from the window to the wall. Like those are funny right. for five seconds, but that's it. I would hate for them to create new Beatles music using stuff that was never written, like with AI, that would suck. But yeah. using it to restore something that was already there. I can get behind that. And especially when it's Paul and Ringo recording the real instruments and, and they got a real orchestra with Giles Martin leading them, you know, to, uh, uh, to, to put all this together, right. um, or to supplement it. And, and yeah, I like it, this, this didn't hit me until about five or six listens through, but the backup, like the harmonies they added that, that they layered in it were beautiful, absolutely lush and gorgeous. And, and like, I said, it, it's a gorgeous, well-composed song. Well written. Uh, this is probably the third thing that stood out to me. The first thing was actually Ringo. Um, he's just the perfect drummer. He's the perfect complement to anything he participates in. He knows exactly what to do. He doesn't do more, and he never does less. Right. And and like it, it made me realize that what's held me on to the anthology singles that "Free as a Bird" and "Real Love" were the drums. Like when I listened to this, I was like, I go back to the drums every time. Like when I think of those songs, it's the the, the rhythms he puts in, the perfect placement of everything that he puts in, and the way they produce them have always anchored me to those songs. And and I didn't realize it until I heard this one. Um, yeah. But but really, the, the, about the third thing I noticed was after I listened to the Lennon demo, I, I didn't listen to that beforehand on purpose. I wanted to hear the final song first. And I went back and listened, and you can hear what Paul cut out. Uh, there's, there, there are different tangents John went on that Paul omitted from the song. Rightfully so, he should have. And it really felt like I was in the room with them back in, let's just throw out, 1964. Of I, It felt like I was just a fly on the wall in the room of Paul coming in and saying, oh, what's that you're working on there? Right. Well, what, what if you did this? I felt like I was in the room with them like writing, or maybe John approaching him, Hey, I've got this song. I'm kind of stuck on it. What, do you, what can we do with it? I feel it was probably more the first scenario. I bet they probably commented on each other's work and inserted themselves into it, then them handed. I don't know, though. But like that's what it felt like. And that was really, really, really special. I was more moved watching the documentary as far as first listen or first viewing, watching the little mini doc the day before. I was actually more like captivated by that it, because it put me back to 1995 watching the anthologies, which is where my love for the Beatles was really fostered and sealed. And so it put me right back there. And that was, that was really, really, really cool. I could go on about this for hours. I went on an hour last night. I could go <laughs> even more just on this one song. But okay. to, to sum it up, I'm just so glad we have it. It's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. I love hearing their voices together again. I do, too. And I'm just I'm yeah. just glad it's here.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I miss John's voice. And uh, and, and to hear them all come together uh, in, in the chorus was, was terrific. Um, hey, nice wordplay. So here we are. We're going to invite in Mike Flitt. Hey, how are you doing, Mike? I'm doing outstanding. Good. Well, listen, um, I am genuinely interested in your story, and it's being made into a movie called The Senior, and uh, it, it's coming out soon. It's got the world premiere down here in, in Fort Lauderdale at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival uh, this coming week, I think Thursday, November 9th. And, yes,
3: yeah, 7 yeah. p.m.,
1: yeah. And, and how does it feel to have a movie made about you? That must be surreal. It
3: is. That word uh, has been, I've used it so many times. It is, it's just surreal um, that that they're doing this. It was never part, never even anywhere in the universe of my thinking when I went back to play that there would be, anyone would be interested in an old man going back to play college football.
2: Oh, but, Mike, um, Mike, Mike, can I stop you right there? What male is not interested in that? Like you, uh, that is the, that is like the male washed agenda supreme. Like, because there's every so often every, every single one of us thinks I've got eligibility. I've got uh, I- I- any, any dude who, who has any type of even minor interest in sports, especially at the college level. Has thought that at least once in their you know elder life in in their above well, thirty year old thirty five year old life we all even and and sometimes it happens over and over. I could do that. I could. I right. look. Look. I didn't play. I've got four years of eligibility. Let's go. And you did it, man. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, I Mike, was
3: I was amazed by it. Yeah.
1: It was yeah, amazing. Mike. I wanna I wanna give people uh, a Reader's Digest version of your story, and you correct me if I make any mistakes. You okay. were a high school football star at Permian High in Odessa, Texas, which was the school immortalized in Friday Night Lights. That's true. Uh, you, you, led, you led that team to a state championship. Uh, you went on to play college football at Sewell Ross State University in Alpine, Texas. You were a star there. You were the captain. You were the leading tackler as a junior. And I feel like uh, you and I have been brought together by fate because I want you to tell Yeti here he doesn't know. What was the nickname of Sewell Ross State University?
3: Lobos. Hey, hey the Lobos. These three <laughs> words. Uh,
1: <laughs> the Lobos are, are infamously or famously my uh, nickname for my fantasy football team. Anyway, oh okay. <laughs> it's, it's fate. It's fate that you and I are together here. So anyway, this is where the story gets interesting to me, and 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 where it turns, uh, you know, sort of not tragic, that's too strong a word, but this is where it comes off the rails for you. You, before your senior year at Sewell Ross, you were expelled from the university. And and talk about that. How how did that happen? Why did it happen?
3: Well, um, I was team captain. uh, The uh, uh, players are the ones that voted for the captains, and I was elected team captain. I was an all-conference linebacker in arguably one of the most competitive conferences in the nation uh, because we were integrated. We had a lot of great black athletes playing in that conference, in the Lone Star Conference. We had everybody back from the year before. We'd gone eight and three, and we were picked to win the conference. So the coaches have appointed me to uh, make sure everybody's in at curfew uh, during 2 days And um, I'm checking rooms, and a couple of freshmen aren't in. Uh, I wait up for them. They get in. Um, I confront them about it. One of them uh, takes exception to me telling him when he can and can't come and go, and it gets physical. and He gets hurt. Um, but this was not my first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Way <Wait> to <a laughs> say he kicked his ass. Okay. <laughs> this was uh, yeah. This was one of uh, ten fights that I'd had off con- off campus. You know. Over a okay. uh, you know uh, uh, a two year time period, and so okay. the next morning, the uh, you know the head coach calls me in his office and said, "Hey, I got a call from the president of the college last night, and he said he's heard Mike Flint's name for the last time. It's uh, it's he told me he said it's either me or Mike Flint. Who's it going to be?" And so wow, um, yeah, I I, I lost uh, my senior year.
1: Okay, so listen, we're all different at age twenty two than we are when we're fully matured. Let me ask you perfectly honestly, were you a badass at 22? Were you like the guy picking fights or like 10 fights is a lot?
3: Yeah, I, I understand uh, that process. You know, it, it all goes back to, and uh, answer to your question, no, I was not. Um, I, um, one of the things that in my training that my dad was a D-Day uh, invasion uh, veteran. He was wounded in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, it was that military training that, when I was six years old, uh, we started and uh, we fought. Um, you know, he called it boxing. I was pretty much pretty sure what we were doing was fighting, but we <laughs> did it you know, for for seven years. And but his hard and fast rule was that, that I was never ever to start a fight. But see, the problem in living in West Texas is you've got the roughnecks in the oil field. You've got mm-hmm. The cowboys that are out there, and then you got football. So if you don't mind fighting, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Well, I became a vigilante because I, I was good at it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't figure anybody's going to hit me as hard as my dad did, and <laughs> so um, you know, I uh, I became a vigilante, and if anybody needed, uh, if I, I would step in in a heartbeat if I felt like somebody needed my help, and. Um, again, there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of things that happened. That again, it, because of that mindset I had, um, I was I was always Johnny on the spot, and um, and everybody knew about
2: that. <laughs> so, my real question though is is ten fights really a lot in Texas? I mean,
3: uh, no, ten was at that at that school. I had. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You are right. what Bomani, our friend Bomani Jones would call a stay ready all-star. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what that is, but I... Um, <laughs> you, you are, it means I, you are always ready j- just in case. You, you might not be looking for it. You might not want it, but you're ready just in case.
3: Oh, and all the time. It was, it was part <laughs> of my training. I was just sitting on go all the time.
1: Now, Mike, this story gets better and better. Okay. We haven't even begun to get interesting yet. Um, After you got kicked out of college, uh, you went on to have a very successful career. You became a strength coach at major programs, Nebraska, Oregon, Texas A&M. But yet, being kicked off the college team and losing your senior year, it haunted you, right? I mean, you never forgot it.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, to me, um, I went on. See, I just needed six hours to graduate when I came back. I came back for one reason, and it was to win a conference championship. That was my team. Those guys would play for me, and I knew that. And um, I got kicked out, and they went four, six, and one. They didn't even Mm -hmm. have a winning season. And so, you know, I went on with my life. I I took those – the president of the college said, you can take those last six hours – at any accredited college or university in the nation and will give you your degree from Soul Ross, but you can never come back to Soul Ross. Yeah. And so I got those six hours, um, ended up at Nebraska, uh, became a strength and conditioning coach there, University of Oregon, uh, Texas A&M. And all this time, I always had a philosophy about my training that I would never ask one of my athletes to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. And so I stayed in great shape. Um, for decades, I, I never stopped running sprints. I never stopped lifting, and in the back of my mind, I'm simmering with this regret over the loss of my my senior year. I didn't I didn't share it with anybody, but it was just uh, a consuming thing for me. And I finally, I just finally learned to manage it. And you couldn't forget about it, but I I just I just quit thinking about it so
1: much. And uh, Mike, was was that? I'm I'm trying to figure out the genesis of, of of why this weighed so heavily on you. Was it? Did you feel shame for fighting and getting expelled? Did you feel oh, guilt?
3: Oh, the the fighting, the the fight. You know, in hindsight, I would have done it again. Um, but the consequences that came out of that were to me uh, almost unbearable because looking at my teammates and what I knew that they could do, uh, the, the level of uh, athleticism that we had, all the returning athletes that we had, and then to not even have a winning season. And for me, I felt like that was my responsibility. I failed those guys and I avoided them. I I wouldn't, I, I talked with one or two of them for decades. I, I just, I didn't go there. I just, didn't have anything to do with them. And, um, and then I s- started getting all these invitations to a reunion. And this was in 2007 and guys kept calling saying, Hey, you know, Randy says, if, if you'll come, he'll, he'll come to the reunion. Glenn calls and said, Bill says, if, if, if you'll come to the reunion, he'll go. And so, um, and Eileen, she didn't know anything about it. My regret, my wife, you know, she, she said, I don't know what's going on with you. I know you want to go see those guys. She said, you need to go down to San Antonio. Just have a good time, go down there and see those guys. And so I thought, okay. And I knew when I walked in that hotel room, I thought, I mean, in that major lobby, I thought, one of the first things that's going to come up is that fight. Uh, I, I know, I know what's going to happen. And, uh, and it did. Um, and I, 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 I told him, I said, uh, Guys, I said, I can't, I can never tell you uh, how sorry I am about not being there uh, for my senior year and letting you guys down. Uh, I said, it's become the greatest regret in my life. And I said, you know what gets me more than anything is I still think I can play. And they were laughing at me except for for one guy. And uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, why don't you? And I said, well, what do you mean, why don't I? I said, there's, there's no way I have eligibility after all these years. He said, Hey, if you can run with those guys, if you think you can take the hits, um, it's division three now. Uh, he said, it's a whole new set of rules. He said, if that's the greatest regret you got in line, you need to check it out. You need to see if you can do something about it. I couldn't think about anything else the rest of the weekend.
0: Okay. You know,
3: that, that's all I thought about. And, um, uh, so, you know, um, I, I uh, I called – the only person I could think of that might be able to give me some information about eligibility was a former coach I had. He was my linebacker coach, and I'd stayed up with his career. I hadn't talked to him in almost 40 years. But I'd, I I knew where he was, and he was my go-to guy. When I'd get thrown in jail for fighting, uh, he'd bail me out, run me half to death. Took me out on the highway one time, and he said, just get out and run till I can't see you no more. And I said, you know, coach <laughs> – we're in west texas you know i'd be running all day but anyway i <laughs> called him uh, his wife answered the phone and um i said uh mrs Larnard." i said is coach around this is mike flint and she said uh yeah uh mike he's standing right here jerry it's mike flint on the phone and he comes to the phone and he says uh mike are you in jail <laughs> and i said coach listen I, I said i i need to find out um I, I need some help and he gave me some information direction i i called the ncaa uh found out that i still had a semester of eligibility left and uh
1: that was um kind of the initial start so here you are you're pushing 60 years old you're a grandfather you're 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 trying to convince a coach who's eight or ten years younger than you that you want to be a linebacker on his team at age fifty nine. How did that go?
3: Well, it it went. Um, first of all, I kept calling. It was in July of two thousand and seven. It was early summer, and I couldn't get through to anybody. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I can't I can't do this by phone. I mean. If I'm a head coach or athletic director at a college university and a 59 year old guy calls me, wants <laughs> to come walk on from, I, you know, I hang up on that deal real quick. And, uh, so I thought, I, you know, I've got to do this in person. And so I checked to make sure with his secretary that he was going to be in. I flew down to Texas, uh, rented a car in Odessa and drove to Alpine and, um, showed up at his office, uh, walked in, introduced myself. Um, and told him when I played at Permian, the kind of player I was at Saul Ross when I was there before, um, and then I told him um, uh, I wanted to walk on the team as a linebacker because I felt like if I could make the team as a linebacker, I could help a bunch of young men that I didn't even know at the time. But for me, it would make up for those guys I let down all those years ago. And
1: and, and what was the reaction of of the teammates who uh, – your, your sudden teammates who are uh, – Old enough to be your um, grandsons, practically.
3: Oh wow! It was. uh, I I was standing in line to get get my equipment. First of all, I I go get my physical, and nurse looks at my my chart, and she says, "Okay, uh, we're doing the coaches next uh, next week. This is the players. (laughs) I'm I'm a player," and she said, "You're born in 1948, and you're gonna play?" And I said, "Yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am." And then I go down. I go down to get get in line to get my equipment and uh the, the, one of the players is bouncing around, you know, he's he keeps looking over at me and he says, uh, so um, you going to coach or what? And I said, no, no, man, I'm here to play. He said to play. Uh, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 59. 59. He starts <laughs> hollering, y'all gotta come look at this guy. But um, we we put those helmets on uh they knew it wasn't a publicity stunt. I, see, I, I was a very good football player when I was young, and I always had an attitude about those linebacking positions. One of them was mine, and somebody's going to have to take it from me. But see, I've never played football in a 59-year-old body before. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't think there was going to be enough ice in Alpine, Texas, make it through two of those. Um, okay. <laughs> I was sore all the time.
1: So let, let's fast forward to senior day. Uh, you're a fifty-nine year old linebacker. You've successfully made your one of the greatest comebacks in uh, in college football history. You've become the oldest linebacker in NCAA history. It's senior day. And I think you got a surprise uh at senior day when a great number of your former teammates from forty years earlier showed up. What was that like? Yeah.
3: Uh, it was uh, it was one of the there were two games because I've had people ask me, you know, what what were the highlights of the whole thing? That, that was one of the that was one of the games is um uh they came back uh at homecoming to to watch me play and um uh twenty-six of them, uh former players and coaches came back. And and what the, the amazing blessing in that for me was um before the game started, I was in they introduced the president of the college told me, he said, we're going to introduce all our former teammates and coaches. And then they don't know it, but we're going to introduce you. And uh, so they called all their names and everything. And I'm around the side of the stadium. And then they called my name. And I came running out on the field and I'm running towards them. They all start walking to meet me. And I, I you know, I thought, man, I, I can't look at these guys. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> and so I'm looking down at at the ground using peripheral vision and I run up to them. And I look up and they're all crying. And wow. we had a, we had a group hug and one of them grabbed me and he said, um, Mike, we keep reading where you've let us down all those years ago. We knew that fight wasn't your fault. We never blamed you for that. And besides, look, because you came back to play, we're all back together again. And so I received that forgiveness that I needed from my former teammates to overcome that greatest regret
1: in my life. That's crazy.
3: Yeah. And it was it was just it was so, so surreal. It was just amazing.
1: I can't wait to see how the movie portrays that, because this was this was your former team essentially coming back to say that they forgive you, that that after all of these years, they hold no grudge because you got expelled from your senior year.
3: Yeah. And, and that was, that was the, the the reason that I was going back was to help a bunch of young men th- th- to make up for those guys I let down. And then those guys came back and told me, you didn't let us down. Yeah. You've been carrying that burden all these years for no reason. Uh, and, but it, that release was worth, it was worth the whole season.
1: Sure. That's great. That That's a wonderful story, Mike. Um, we're going to let you go. We're going to encourage people to check out this movie called The Senior. And uh, and Mike Chiklis uh, portrays you in the film.
2: Yes. Yeah, Mike, actually, that, that's what I was going to say. I, I see you've got your book behind you, The Senior. Um, how can our fans support the book and how can they support the film? Well, the, the
3: uh, book, uh, they can get that on Amazon. There's a new publication coming out as soon as the film is released, an updated uh, version of that. But going to this film festival, any any people in the Fort Lauderdale area that can go to this film festival, I'm going to be there. Michael Chiklis is going to be there. Marchiardi, you know, the director, all of them are going to be there. And it's Thursday, November 9th at seven p.m. And it's they're they're going to have a, a block party afterwards. Uh, we're going to have a band um, and interviews with all that. It's it's going to be a, a tremendous amount of fun. They're going to huge uh, jumbotron to be watching Thursday Night football while we're while we're doing all that so there, there's there's just um, a lot of things and um Greg do they have the address do, do I need to give the people the address
2: uh it looks like they can go to slash events slash the senior and buy yeah, tickets and, directly from there
3: and that that F is like it's like in Frank uh dot yeah Fort Lauderdale international film festival.com great uh yeah they they need to do that. I'd love to meet them. I'd love to meet anyone that would come and and support
1: support the film. It it's a great story, Mike. It really is it, decades of uh of, of guilt that you didn't need to feel, you felt and you did something about it and it was a happy ending and uh, it's it's quite a tale. To be told uh we really appreciate you coming on board and uh, and sharing it with our listeners. Oh Ben
3: I Greg, I appreciate you guys having me and it's just so nice to meet you. And uh I look forward to hopefully meeting you guys in person. Um, you know, sometime in the near future.
1: Well this is a Miami based podcast and I'm gonna do my best to make it out on uh Thursday the 9th and uh, and say hello. Slap you on the back.
2: <laughs> All right. <Great. laughs> Once again, that's F-L-I-F-F dot com slash events slash the senior. Or you can just Google Fort Lauderdale Film Festival, the senior. You'll be able to find it pretty quick. Let's go support Mike, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Mike. Good luck with the movie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: And now a poem about Sheets and Giggles by Yeti Blanc. Ah, Sheets and Giggles, the perfect complement to nocturnal wiggles, the cooling comfort that never fails, just like the joy of holiday sales, with exclusive deals throughout all November, like up to 50% off, so be sure to remember sheetsgiggles.com code vitality gives an extra 20% off, so in all actuality, that's a wonder of a deal off pillows and sheets and sustainable mattresses for those romantic treats. So support the company who supports your good sleep and all the great benefits that resting can reap. So go to sheetsgiggles.com and use code VITALITY and make a cool, comfortable slumber an assured reality the end support the greg cody show by supporting sheets and giggles and now back to your regularly scheduled programming all right thanks
1: sheets and giggles thank you uh mike flint for sharing your beautiful uh movie uh movie uh what do I call it? A movie-merited, movie-worthy uh, tale? I mean, it's, it's fantastic. The Senior. Check it out. Mike Flint. Uh, right now, and before we get to Christopher, who may or may not join us, uh the backstroke in a vat of beer in Germany, we want to have a Three Facts Jack Germany edition. There are
2: three things that interest him, so sit right back for Three Facts Jack.
1: Number three. Germany has the most castles of any country in the world. There once were more than twenty thousand. Many have fallen to ruin, but some
2: twelve thousand castles remain. That's really funny on a couple of levels. One, because Chris posted a video earlier of just like you know city, city, or t- you know city, city, city castle. Like there's like you know modern buildings going down this main thoroughfare where he's at, and all of a sudden. A castle out of nowhere, and <laughs> yeah. But then, from another thing, is that you don't think castles in Germany. We we no. always think you know England. Yes, you know maybe France even. But but right, it, it is interesting that Germany has the most castles in the world. Very cool fact. Go for it, Greg.
1: Number two, Greg Cody's favorite saying, common in Germany, is "Durst word dirch, Beer erst schön," or thirst is only beautiful when accompanied by beer. Really? That's your favorite saying?
2: You, you, you yeah, say it, it so really often is. that you
1: stumble over it. I, it. I know, it really is. Okay. I've said it so many S- times. Say it again, D- Greg. Durst, word, Durch beer erst, schon Okay. <laughs> her, so natural she. when it comes off my tongue. Number one, in Germany, there is no punishment for a prisoner who tries to escape from jail as long as no crime is committed, such as injuring a jailer, while escaping. The reason is that Germans consider it a basic human instinct to be free and to try to escape from prison. (laughs) How about that?
2: That's crazy. I I absolutely love that concept. Like, all right, you escaped. All right. yeah, And you did it carefully. Good for you. We expect you to try to get out of this hellhole of a prison. What I wonder is if they capture you, they still put you back? but it just doesn't add anything. There's no further punishment for it. That's or do the they just let you go yes. if you're able to escape? Like, good on you. S- yeah, see you later. Exactly. Right. That's the impression I get. that exactly what interesting to We should have Chris ask someone in Germany, Hey, if you escape from jail, are you good, Are you scot-free? Or are you good to go?
1: Yeah, we will. Maybe he'll be in jail when we uh, speak <laughs> to him. Who <laughs> let's, knows?
2: Let's hope not. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here he is or not coming up.
2: Will Chris join us from Germany? Find out next. Chris, welcome from Germany. Greg is um, making wiener schnitzel in your honor today.
1: I am. Oh, that's my favorite. I know. And and your wife's favorite, too. So we're going to uh, toast you uh, during our meal. Um, Wait, my but, wife
0: is coming over? Baby. Yes. <laughs> that's weird. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: That's odd. You know, she said, would you still have us? We'd love to come over. And we said, of course. Cool. You know, we're making schnitzel. It's good in in honor of you being in Germany. Christopher, before we discuss the uh, the sad Dolphins game, or at least it began sadly and it ended sort of upbeat, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I have to ask, as a father, I am very thrilled for you that you were able to make this trip, that you experienced Germany. Uh, Tell me how it's been.
0: It's been great uh i enjoy everyone's been really nice i've eaten all the i've eaten some brats i've eaten some wiener schnitzel uh the people are very friendly i i i think i were you hoping that i was more drunk by the way
1: i'm cool no matter how you are (laughs) okay
0: It's. i just feel like as i was talking i was like wow i feel like my dad was hoping for like hijinks and i'm just kind of like telling him how germany's been it's been really cool it's cool I i didn't know what to expect I didn't
1: know what to expect. So
0: the first night, uh, if the Dolphins had won, maybe there would be like a big postgame celebration here. But I'm, I'm kind of tired from the two nights, uh, a little jet lagged. I don't really even know if I'm supposed to be tired on the way back or on here, whatever. I'm just tired. But uh, it's been a great time. And it was cool the first night to kind of be by myself, even though I've made some friends that are like Dolphins people. And I hung out with some people that I ran into that got the show. Like I kind of just made a friend of a guy that recognized me and I was just like hanging out alone. So, uh, I didn't hang out totally alone, but it was just cool to roam a city and, you know, experience this type of thing. And it's been fun. Did you find that most of the locals did speak English? Yeah, enough. Like most people, like most uh, Uber drivers I've experienced, uh, waiters and waitresses. Uh, yeah, I have not had to use Google translate once.
2: Chris, uh, earlier in the episode we discussed, um, that maybe you'd be drowning in a vat of beer and brats. Is that the way, would that be a preferable way to go? If you had to die inside of a food product or, or drenched in a food product, would beer and brats be the way to go? What about like a good baked zD? I feel like if <laughs> no,
0: like, 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 like a bath, like, like a hot tub filled with baked ziti. <laughs> like, I feel like that would just, that would be delightful.
2: Just let it's me die hot. in a chocolate fountain. That would be me.
0: Yeah, but, I feel like it might be tough to breathe in the chocolate fountain. I feel like I could still breathe. I mean, th- the whole thing is you're dying. So, right. Yeah. That, about <laughs> That's that <a> good point. <laughs> <So.
1: clears throat> Speaking of dying, let's get to the Dolphins. Um, Christopher, you first of all set the scene for me. You and Juju Gotti were hanging out there. You, did you watch the game in the stands or like where were you during the game itself?
0: We had the best of both worlds. We had a credential, and before the game, we had like an hour and a half, almost two hours to be. On the sideline, which was one of the coolest experiences of like my sporting life, you know, like in terms of like access that I've gotten because of the show and stuff like Juju and I literally having free reign of the sideline and everyone thinks like like Juju is like looks has this aura about him that people are coming up to him taking pictures Like some people know him from the show. Some people aren't sure if they should know him. So they're just kind of taking a picture and it's
2: just like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw, I saw the video of that and that was just so cool to see all those people swarming about him. That's might be my favorite thing about videos of Juju on assignment is just the way people gather to him and, and want to take pictures with him and stuff. It's it's just the best.
0: Juju literally got a dap from Roger Goodell because Roger Goodell (laughs) was walking by him. And Juju and Juju just <laughs> Juju just like threw him the what's up man like Juju what? that's Juju has this like charming way about him that he gives everybody the hey what's up like so if you he opens that door and and Roger Goodell walked right through it and they had like a dap I got it on video it's <laughs> that's incredible. It's, like, Roger Goodell doesn't dap anybody.
2: I love the, the idea of Goodell not not sure. Is this one of my players? You know, that's on a bye week or something. <laughs> You're coming to the game. Right.
0: That's what I mean. Like, I mean, I mean, Goodell was also just going up to a lot of people. Like, you know, like Goodell was like, like I saw him like a fan was like, Roger. And he went over and shook a hand. You know, he's doing the PR thing of letting right. the cameras see him being one with the people. So that's why he's in that zone of let me kind of greet people and juju gave him through him the arms and he walked right in and it was like a bear hug it was like it was awesome
2: that's
1: incredible so basically goodell i guarantee you goodell thought all right this is a former nfl player who i should know who obviously knows me
0: right Right? and and the best part is in the video like great video work by me i'm not knowing that juju's gonna get a high five i just see roger goodell coming so i'm like yo let me get a shot of roger goodell for social and i'm like panning and it's like he's literally around like what looked like Secret Service, like he's the president, like he right. has this like top security. Everyone's got their hand on their ear, and <laughs> and then Juju just throws his arms out, and they freaking oh, it's so good. And then they just great. like oh, go ahead, go go ahead, Roger, go say hello. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. no, it it was a
1: priceless video. Um, so tell me from your doll fan perspective, you're you're wearing a, a Tyree kill jersey. Uh, what did you think of the game? The first half was reminded me of the bad old Dolphins, where you couldn't run, you had inopportune, ill-timed penalties, nothing was going right in the first half. But then they did rally in the second half. What did you make of the whole game? They lost, of course, 21-14 to to Kansas City in Frankfurt, Germany.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously the result hurts, but I don't think you can sit there and say that Kansas City played that much better than the Dolphins. They didn't score in the second half um, if I just said to you right now of the four units on this, in this game today, what was the best unit? The argument could be made. The Dolphins defense was the best of the four units today. So yeah. it's clearly a disappointing result, but I leave this game still feeling good. Cause honestly, the chiefs defense has been good. So like, yeah, really good. Yes. The Dolphins offense struggled, but I, I just, I'm still fine. Like if. The, the offense obviously flew out, out like they, they, they set such a standard that they can't keep up the first like six weeks of the season. So this offense is still clearly good. Obviously, they're not going to put up the historic like right. They might not be the most historic offense ever, but they're going to be a good offense. So if if the offense has to regress a little, but the defense makes its way up to an above average defense, then I still I'm not going to buy into the three game sample size that this team can't beat a good team. Like, you know what I right. mean? If, if, if Tua makes a good throw on that third down late in the game, it's a tie game. So it's like we're right there with these teams. Like, I, I mean, not really. The Bills blew us out. The Eagles beat us pretty handily. Yes. But this game was winnable. So I, I, I don't think we can't beat good teams. Like, I'm not going to follow that narrative. I like where the Dolphins are at. What are we going to be, like, the two seed or three seed today, like, after this week? Like, I'm just good with,
2: with where we're at. Like, I'm not going to overreact. What was the atmosphere like inside the stadium compared to other NFL games that you've been to? It was interesting. It was a lot of people wearing
0: non-Chiefs and Dolphins. Like it's just basically because there are a lot of people in Europe that follow the NFL. So it's like there's a there's a Bengals fan that never gets to watch the NFL. So he comes to this game wearing his Joe Mixon jersey and he <laughs> and he just and he just cheers and he just cheers every time that like something happens. Like so there was a lot of indifferent cheering. Like, there were times when I was out in the concourse getting something, and then I would hear a cheer, and I couldn't tell. Like, cause I was like, wait, I thought there were more Chiefs fans. Why are they cheering for the Dolphins now? Like, there was basically just a lot of cheering every time there was a big play. You know, like, it was like, it was almost like everyone was cheering for everything, as opposed to like, there was no loud on third down a lot. Like, it was kind of just. It was just a giant Roblo NFL hat. Yeah, but it was honestly cool. Like, there were aspects of it that were cool. Like, after the game, there was no like, usually after a dolphins game like chiefs fans are chanting let's go chiefs and like rubbing it in the faces of the other team and this time it was just kind of like everyone walking out very peacefully like yes we experienced the nfl and now we are leaving like like everyone was just like
2: <laughs> it was very just like a matter of fact in efficient like, manner
0: we um, did football we did football and then we go home now <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a, um um All right. So you showed a video the other day of a castle just kind of in the middle of, you know, condos and apartments or whatever. One of your dad's three facts, Jack, about Germany was that it has more castles than anywhere else in the world. How many castles have you seen?
0: Uh, Outside of that one, I can't think of another. (laughs) (laughs) But there's definitely a lot of old timey, like, you know, just what I imagine when I go into like the Germany part of Epcot, like the old timey. You know, which I like. It's very quaint. Like there's there's some parts of Frankfurt because our our video guy Matteo, who's from, uh, he's not he's not from Frankfurt. He's from Hamburg, which is a little north of here. Oh, but I didn't know that. He basically said that Frankfurt is like the only city in Germany with like a sky rise. Like we're mm-hmm. in the only city right now that has tall buildings. <laughs> really, I had no idea. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. I would have I would have assumed Berlin and Munich have like downtowns but that's yeah. interesting
1: um, by the way mike mcdaniel who's n- never ceases to amaze me he's a really interesting guy he's got a great perspective after every game and he said because um, the narrative after this game let's be honest is that the dolphins are zero and three against really good teams you know and yeah. one of the things i wrote was you can't claim to be a really good team unless you start beating really good teams so zero and three is zero and three Like you say, you don't want to overreact, but McDaniels said after the game, if you want the narrative to change, change the narrative, which is simple, but true. You have to start beating really good teams to be considered
0: really good. Is that overreaction on your part? Do you agree with that or? No, I just don't think because they've played three games against good teams this season that they can't beat a good team. Like they beat good teams last year before, before they even like, we can all agree they're better this year than last year. No. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. And do we not think the Chargers are a good team? Like I know, like a couple weeks ago, the Chargers had lost a few in a row, so everyone was like, "That's not a good win." Now they've won a couple in a row, so that'll be a good win in a few weeks. You know, yeah, like they're,
1: yeah, the Chargers pay- are a, per- a pretty good team,
0: and they won by two points. Okay, but like, well, it's just like, but that's see, now it's you know, I'm just saying, it's a small sample. Right. I, I the this defense looked really good today. It got that stop. I was so surprised they got the ball back. Uh, late in that game, yes. when they had to the punt with like three minutes left. Me too. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm, that's encouraging, and I, I think that the offense is going to be just fine, even though it didn't look great today. So, I'm, I like the way, as I've said before, I like the way the de- the defense and offenses are kind of meeting in the middle here to be just like an overall good team, not just a really good offense.
1: Did Did you eat or drink anything in Frankfurt that blew you away that made you go, "Wow, this is the best thing I've ever eaten of this type of food"?
0: Um, I will put the, the wiener schnitzel and the, the brat the, like uh, today I had just a simple bratwurst on like a, just a classic hoagie, put a little mustard on it and crushed it at the game. And that was just delightful. Like, I can't remember I ever having a better one of those. Um, and that was just at a stadium here. Wow. Um, but I've had a few good like schnitzels, you know, I'm a big schnitzel guy, dad. So I've eaten it twice and I enjoyed both of them. I mean, yeah. they weren't like, like you make a good one. So I'm not going to like, you. I'm not going to sit here and be like. It was hands down better than yours, but it was on the level with those. Like, I really enjoyed them. And they have this, like, you got to do that. You got to look up this, like, green sauce that they have. Really? Yeah, it's like the sauce that goes with, like, a few different types of schnitzel. It's like one of those things where when you order it, they're like, would you like the green sauce on the side? And you say yes, and it's just like this kind of white, garlicky, green sauce. It's just delightful.
2: They call it green sauce? Yes. I don't know that there's anything in this world that brings your dad more pride and joy than to than to hear compliments on his cooking. Like I don't even think his book Pride of a Lion Quasi Story with Ron McGill oh, we did, we available at bookstores anywhere. Uh go ahead and pre-order on Amazon now. <laughs> will gives it will give him <laughs> as much pride as you <laughs> saying that some of the German food might you're not saying that it's better than his than your dad's. That's true. And he was so thrilled when you yeah. just told him that. I heard that. Thank you. Well, I
0: haven't that. that I haven't. You, you kind of take the easy way out and you do like schnitzel chicken. I yeah. have not seen chicken available like in Germany. It's, it's all <laughs> okay, either. What are
1: they, they do veal it, and
0: pork, right? It's Yes. So it's all, it's, it's all either veal or pork.
1: Okay. Tonight I'm doing uh, uh, chicken and veal. Uh, right. we're, letting the, we're letting the pig live tonight. We're uh, just doing the others. So we're good.
0: All right. I want to run because it's 8 p.m. here and I got to go watch some 1 p.m. football.
2: tell us who wins okay you're witching my the witching hour there might actually be in the literal witching hour it's literally right now it's about to be in like i think it's literally about to happen
1: all right thanks kid happy germany um glad you joined us and uh we'll see you soon love you love you like a kid love you too chris that kind of thing
2: all right greg
1: that that's an episode Let's call it an episode That was great We got It's football intensive We got Christopher from Germany Talking about the Dolphins We got uh, um, Mike Flint The 59 year old Grandfather Linebacker Talking about Going back to College After 35 years And, And that's a I don't say this About everything that's on our show. I thought that was a really interesting story that I was glad to to help tell.
2: Very much so.
1: Yeah. So that was cool. I hope you, you all enjoyed it as well. Podcast family, thanks a lot, as always. And
2: um, we're going to see you right back here next week. And you know it.
1: And you know it.
2: Now say it in German.
1: Unde Weistest. Say it again. Unde Weistest.
2: O tu vais des bebe o tu tu vais des, des
1: bebe o That kind of thing Onde vais test